On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into what might be one of the more interesting off-seasons in NBA history. Could the Thunder maybe get involved in some of that? Plus, a Nick Smith Jr. NBA draft profile and projection. All coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create your account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. For the last-minute tickets at the lowest prices guaranteed, We're going to dive into a Nick Smith Jr. NBA Draft profile and projection, giving you all you need to know about the Arkansas guard. Plus, could the Thunder get involved in what might be one of the more crazy NBA off-seasons? Let's first take a look at the NBA drama that you might see unfold this off-season. The Pelicans could move on from Zion Williamson. The Wizards might trade Bradley Beal. There was that random bets favoritism for Chris Middleton signing in Oklahoma City that put Twitter in a bit of a frenzy yesterday. John Collins is always in trade rumors. Carl Anthony Towns could be moved from Minnesota. Jalen Brown is you know a bit up in the air with Boston, but it seems like Boston will keep him. In this NBA draft that we think is is very loaded with talent, and we think that next year's draft class is not very talent-rich, in this NBA draft class, pick 3, 4, 5, 10, are all widely available. Portland has a decision to make about what they want to do with Dame and what they want to do with this core. And Kyrie's a free agent, which always results in a ton of content, if nothing else. And so with the Thunder, from now until the end of time, any time that somebody is on the block, discussed about being moved, you will hear about the Thunder being involved, using them as leverage, or just fans wanting them to get in the mix because they have cap space, because they have uh, an excess of, you know, of picks to make moves happen, etc., but I am a big proponent of the say-it-out-loud test, and, and I want to go through and really say out loud what would happen if the Thunder got involved in this crazy offseason. And you start with Zion. Zion is a fantastic player, but he cannot stay healthy. To this point, he cannot stay healthy. He's played in 24 games, 61 games, 29 games. The amount of assets it would take to get Zion is just an unreal amount. You have to pay him five years, $194 million. 
And I think that New Orleans is only going to move on from Zion if they can get Scoot Henderson. So take Zion off the list. The next one that you that you run into is Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal is somebody um, that, that has, has long been uh, rumored to get moved. But now with the new front office, with a new regime down there in Washington, it becomes more real of, of him being moved, being, being transported somewhere else. So Bradley Beal, to make a Bradley Beal trade work, you got to move Lou Dort to make the contracts and salaries work. I think it'll take two to three more picks past Lou Dort, maybe a young player on top of that even. Would Bradley Beal be a fantastic second option next to Shea? For sure. And I think that Bradley Beal is being a little bit underrated in the NBA discourse right now because we forget how good he is as a number two or three option. He's not a number one option, but that's okay. There are many players who are not number one options, but I do think that Bradley Beal can contribute to winning. However, this is where the problem lies for Oklahoma City specifically. So when I say don't go get Bradley Beal, I am not just you know, casting him aside as a no good player and that and that he wouldn't uh, play well. I think he played very well next to Shea. But the issue is the contract. It's one of the worst contracts in basketball for the Thunder specifically, and in in general in basketball, but also specifically for the Thunder. It is a five-year, $251 million, which, all, you know, which obviously expands into when you need to start paying your young core and impacts your ability to pay your young core for a 30-year-old who's not a free agent until 2027. So as you can see, it sounds really good as the Shams tweet goes out, as the Woj tweet goes out to, to say, well, go get Bradley Peel, go get Zion, go get these players. But, but when you actually say it out loud and think about it, it would not make sense to push all in for Brad Beal right now. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't make sense for him. It wouldn't make sense for the Thunder. He has the no trade clause. I, I think he'd probably waive it to go to Oklahoma City hypothetically, but still, it wouldn't make sense for anybody involved. And so, that knocks Bradley Beal off the board. Now let's talk Chris Middleton. First and foremost, the Thunder being the favorites to sign Chris Middleton, I know that we always want to look into things and, and Vegas knows and we hype up the information and intel that, that the sports books have. The reason why Chris Middleton is the favorite to go to Oklahoma City is because Oklahoma City has cap space. In, in reality of what you would expect him to do this offseason, you would expect him to go to Milwaukee. But if not Milwaukee is the key phrase in all of this, you got to find a team that has cap space to sign him. And so the Thunder do. And in a vacuum, signing a player to a one- or two-year deal is, is of no consequence for Oklahoma City. They could sign you, you the listener, they could sign you to a one-year deal. It wouldn't matter because you wouldn't be impacting their ability to sign their young core. So that's a positive in the Chris Middleton conversation. He's a three-time All-Star. Uh, he was a key piece of the Bucks winning a championship. He's 31 years old, so he brings kind of that veteranship. Uh, you, you would imagine you only signed a one- or two-year deal, which does not in, which does not hinder you from signing another young player. Uh, he's in the 50th percentile as an ISO defender. He's in the uh, 83rd percentile as a, as a pick-and-roll ball handler. Uh, he, he does some things very well. But I don't think it makes sense for him or the Thunder. It's just that the Thunder have cap space. But again, Chris Middleton is one that, as you say it out loud, uh, it, it, it doesn't jump off the page as a terrible move. We just know 
it's not quite the move that the Thunder are looking to make right now. But that one's at least palatable because you would imagine you can pay him and not impact your future um, ability to pay a Chet or J-Dub or Giddy you know, or whoever. The next name is John Collins. He is always on uh, the trade block trade radar for for every season, right? Every every off season, every trade deadline season, every time that you, you talk about John Collins, it's about getting moved. To me, trading for John Collins is just making a move to make a move. It is just getting involved to get involved, and that's not how the Thunder operate. Between the money owed to John Collins, which is twenty, which is twenty five million next year. 26 million in 2024, 25, uh, and 26 million in 25, 26. Between the money owed to him plus the assets it takes to get him, it doesn't make a ton of sense for a guy who is, you know, shooting 70, 76% at the rim, 70, 74% at the mid range, 29% from three, according to Cleaning the Glass. He's 23rd percentile in overall offense on synergy, uh, 40th percentile in defending post ups, uh, 46th percentile defending isolations, according to synergy. Like, he's a fine player. He's a fine player, but getting him at the cost of the money and the cost of the assets that you need to trade for him, it it would be just changing things for the sake of change, and the Thunder aren't in that spot yet. We forget that the Thunder have had this vision and that they haven't really gotten to see it unfold, even though they did leap up to a 41 team this year. Uh, their vision, in part, is centered around Chet, along with SGA, of course, and they, and they haven't gotten to see all these things blend together. And so as you start to talk about these big moves, again, it sounds fantastic. The second that the Woj tweet goes out, it sounds phenomenal. It, it sounds like, well, why wouldn't the Thunder get involved? They have picks, they have they have cap. But as you peel it back and realize that it's not just for this instant, you know, one hour post-Woj tweet time frame, and that, that it has deeper issues moving forward, it doesn't seem as likely that the Thunder will get involved in a big move this offseason. But what is likely for Oklahoma City this offseason? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but our good friends over at Game Time. Game Time is a fantastic app, which you can go to right now. Download the Game Time app. Use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off of your first purchase. It is fantastic. It is something that you should go use right now because Game Time offers you uh, the ability to buy last-minute tickets the lowest prices guaranteed. You can buy tickets to sporting events, music, comedy, theater, anything you want to. They have deals on last-minute tickets at the lowest prices, and you can stop stressing over the event that you want to go see and just get extremely excited for that event. They also have flash deals, which are great. It's easy to buy tickets for every kind of event you want. Uh, You get an image from your seat, which is a phenomenal feature in my opinion. Uh, You can get the lowest prices, but you can also get event cancellation protection, job loss protection. Uh, That way you are protected when you're buying these tickets and planning out uh, these events. But if you forget to plan, that's fine too, because you don't don't have to plan in advance because you can just get the lowest prices last minute at game time. So go there right now, game time, create your account, download the app, uh, use the code LOCKEDONNBA. When you use the code LOCKEDONNBA, you'll get $20 off of your first purchase. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. We've talked about, you know, dismissing trading for John Collins and dismissing uh, Dame and dismissing all, all these other players. For Jalen Brown and Carolyn Towns, too much money. 
doesn't really fit the play style and not worth the assets it takes to go get them. So like, forget about them for, for Kyrie and Dame. This does not impact the thunder in terms of like, no one believes or thinks or, or, or advocates for the thunder to go get either one of these guys, but whatever their next steps are and whatever the next steps are of their teams that they're currently on does heavily impact Oklahoma city. So, so keep an eye on them as well. So what could Oklahoma city do? What could happen this off season? If not for a big move, I don't think that we'll be shocked by a move that happens between now and let's say like July 7th when everything's calmed down. I don't think that we're going to wake up to a Woj tweet and just be like, what did Sam Presti do? What I think could happen though is that we wake up to a Woj tweet and we're blown away by the latest and greatest blockbuster move in the, in the best off season in sports. And then in the fine print, or maybe in the third tweet of the thread, the thunder have picked up a really good asset for the sake of taking on a bad contract. Because again, just like I said, that signing a guy like Chris Middleton to a one or two year deal doesn't really matter. And is only a net positive because it does not hinder your ability to uh, pay your young core using this cap space as a tool to circumvent or to bring in a bad contract or an expiring contract is the same function. You're getting an asset for using your cap space that you weren't, that you aren't going to use on breaking the bank for a free agent. And in the meantime, you pick up a, an asset. And, and I think back to what Cleveland did. Cleveland sat around. They didn't trade for James Harden, but as the James Harden trade was going down, they jumped in the mix and they picked up Jared Allen. And so there's there's little instances like that where you can where you can jump into this chaotic scene, especially whenever you have cap space to to help pass along a trade, and you can end up getting an additional pick or getting um, a, a, a very good young player. So that's what I would bet on happening for Oklahoma City this offseason. I wouldn't hope or bet or or project that they're going to get involved in some of these big, splashy, fancy names. But I also wouldn't imagine that Sam Presti will have all this cap space and then just let it go to waste. So I think that he'll use some of it, you know, to to take on a bad deal and, and get back an asset or to improve his assets. He'll save some of that. I think I think that the Thunder aren't going to just blow their entire. Um, dry powder of salary cap, as Jerry Jones calls it, uh, to to go this offseason. I think they're going to save some of it and have some of it to be flexible come trade deadline season, which with this team, that should be pretty good. You might need it come trade deadline. But I think they're going to be do something, but it's not going to be this incredible, uh, fantastic, beautiful uh, move that, that people are hoping for. So that's what I think will happen this offseason. No, no fantastic move. No, no Zion, no Bradley Beal, but working on the margins and allowing this team to continue to grow together because patience, as we talked about yesterday, is a vastly important part of building a championship team. Let's talk Nick Smith Jr., the Arkansas Razorback. Obviously, Arkansas has been a very kind pipeline to Oklahoma City, Jay Whale, Isaiah Joe. Nick Smith, 6'5", 6'8", wingspan, 185 pounds, 19 years old at the draft, out of the University of Arkansas, his high school tape leaves you very impressed. 
But he did have sort of a shaky college career, dealt with some injuries, dealt with some adversity, just a weird season at Arkansas for as much talent as they had. And they ended up uh, kind of salvaging it in the NCAA tournament by beating Kansas and and moving forward. Uh, But just sort of a weird season just overall uh, at Arkansas this year. Nick Smith is a really good ball handler. I think he's smooth. He's under control. Uh, I think that one of his best assets is his ability to finish at the rim and his understanding of situations at the rim. He understands when to be physical at the rim, to try to finish through you, when to, you know, avoid contact, when to use floaters, when to use runners. He understands when, when to use these things. He's not someone who I think, like, I wouldn't say that he settles for too many floaters. I would say that he settles for too many runners or anything like that. I think that he's perfect at balancing those two things. Uh, I really love his motor and effort. I think that, that helps him on the defensive end, but I do I do have questions about how good he can be defensively in the NBA just because of his frame and size. But on offense, I like his playmaking. I like his ball handling. I like his his cutting ability at a, at a high, high level. I think that he can be a pick-and-roll guy as a ball handler off the bench. I think that he has catch-and-shoot upside. Uh, didn't didn't have the success percentage-wise shooting the ball in college, but the jumper looks good. Had the success in college, I mean, in a, in, in high school, obviously. And I, I think that as a catch-and-shoot weapon, he could be a nice weapon for OKC off-ball. But a really good score, and, and I like him as a scorer for sure. Weaknesses. His frame to me is just not quite NBA ready. I think that he'll get pushed around a bit, especially early on in his career. How quickly can you get that changed if ever do you get that changed? Um, how how limit how limiting is that defensively? Is another question for me with him. Mention that shooting upside. Like the jump shot looks clean, but why aren't they going in? Would be my question. And like, how do you solve that? How do you get the production to match the eye test of his jump shot? What does he look like as an NBA score? It's sort of the same conversation we had with, with Kathy George. If you're, if your whole identity or like focal point is scoring the basketball, but yet in college, you didn't score it efficiently. You know, 37% from the floor, 33% from three, 74% the free throw line. How do you get better at that? Once you go to NBA competition. Now there are some pathways to it. You, you can see better floor spacing at the NBA level. Uh, you're not going to be the focal point at the NBA level for the most case, and you know most of these cases for these guys, etc. But can you become an efficient scorer in the NBA? Like if your job is bucket getting, can you do it efficiently though? And then at times his shot selection was questionable at best, and some pretty important spots at times his shot selection was a little bit off. Uh, so so I would worry about that. But again at Arkansas he dealt with injuries. He only played 17 games. College in general is a weird style of play, and we've often seen guys um, have issues, have trouble at the college level, but then in the NBA look a lot better than what they look like in uh, college. So I understand the appeal of Nick Smith, especially uh, whenever you talk about his scoring ability. But I think at 12, there's probably going to be better value on the board, and we'll talk about what he looks like on Synergy and where he's available at Coming up. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. For your second listen, check out the 
Lockdown NBA Big Board podcast to discuss the NBA draft at large with Rafael Barlow, uh, one of the best in the business uh, at getting information, intel, and also evaluating talent. Uh, and then also for this podcast, you're going to get on the podcast feed, you're going to get a bonus pod with our mock draft, the the pick that I had, but you can go to the Lockdown NBA feed and see the entire draft for the mock draft for the Lockdown uh, mock draft. I think it's one of the best, best mock drafts there are. It's very, very good. Uh, and I think they're going to love my pick. We'll diagnose that pick on tomorrow's show and also do another draft profile. I think tomorrow we'll do Bryce Hensiball, but let me know down below who you want to hear about on this pod uh, in the comments on YouTube and on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And let's dive in Nick Smith Jr. on Synergy. 38th percentile overall offense, 44th percentile half court offense, 74th percentile spot up, 43rd percentile off screens, 96th percentile um, off of handoffs, and then 33% on catch and shoot. I should say 33% on catch and shoot. 64% at the rim. Defensively, 79th percentile overall defense, 79th percentile half court defense and defending its pick and roll, uh, 82nd percentile in spot ups, and 54th percentile in handoffs uh, defense. Availability for range. Ringer has him at 20, ESPN at 12, Athletic at 19, Bleacher Report at 15, CBS at 20, uh, Sports Illustrated at 13. Yahoo at 9, Draftin at 17, Tankathon at 14, I have him at 17, and then Mavs Draft has him at 27. The ceiling and floor for Nick Smith. I think his ceiling is a legit, like if he, if he hit his ceiling, his best possible NBA outcome, I think it'll be a second or third scoring option in the NBA uh, and, 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 a, and a really high-functioning piece of your offense. His floor in the NBA, I would say, is a bench score that kind of kind of helps lift your second unit as a score, but his deficiencies end up making it so he might he probably can't close games, you know, can't close out games on the floor with you, um, and, and and plays those bench minutes. One NBA comp that I think I like for his ceiling would be uh, Tyler Hero. I know that KOC had that one, and that there's other ones out there too that that think um, Nick Smith can be a Tyler Hero type as his ceiling. I like that. I like that a lot. His fit with OKC. So if, if you draft Nick Smith, you're hoping that in the future he'll be your second or third scoring option. For the immediate future of like next season, you would hope that he can be your best scorer off the bench. And then rotationally and roster impact-wise, it would mean Trey Mann's gone. Because again, if you use the state out loud, that's what we did in the first segment, you say it out loud that like, hey, we're drafting Nick Smith Jr. number 12 overall. That is raising the, the flag that, like, hey, we think he's a much better option, much better score, much better player, uh, potentially, than Trey Mann, to where we'd rather invest in Nick Smith Jr. We're investing this lottery pick in Nick Smith Jr., uh, and, and it's time for him to, to kind of see what he can do. So I think that that would kind of signal that, hey, they want to try something different than Trey Mann. Uh, why the Thunder should take him? Look, if you believe in the high school tape, which is phenomenal, and you believe that that he's can be a high level scorer? I do believe OKC needs another bucket getter. Like I, I think this Thunder team needs someone who can score besides Shea, um, and so that is all very appealing. Why the Thunder shouldn't take him is, as as I showed you on the big board chart, I think that there's just more value there at pick twelve. It's a bit too rich for for me uh, at pick twelve for Nick Smith. So uh, that's where I'm at on Nick Smith, the Arkansas guard. Where are you at? Where do you land in all of this? Let me know in the comment section on YouTube and on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And until tomorrow, be good 
and be good to one another.